0: Welcome to the Manology Project Podcast. I am your host, Quentin Crumby, and on this channel, we're going to be discussing what true manhood looks like as we understand our value, our identity, and our purpose as men using godly principles. Now, let's get to it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy Q. I am back. Once again, it's the Manology Project Podcast. And uh, man, I got a treat for you guys on today. Um, I've been contacted by an, um, an awesome young man who's going to join me on today. We're going to talk about something that's really, really deep. So we're going to go, uh, you know, normally we like to laugh and joke, but today we're going to be a little bit serious. We want to really talk about our roles as men uh, and the way that we're actually supposed to uh, protect our women. Um, we know uh, we were me and this uh, young man was trying to connect in january which is the national month for uh, human trafficking uh but we were not able to do so uh, but we're together now and we're definitely going to dive deep in this but uh, i'm gonna tell you men we have a responsibility uh, to our young women uh to actually be more of a protector than more of a hindrance and we're going to just talk about that today uh uh, this guy's basically an expert around it. He's an author. He wrote a book uh, on it uh, called Men Fight for Me. Uh, and it's basically going to be talking about the role of authentic masculinity in ending sexual exploitation and trafficking. Uh, and let me just introduce him right now. Mr. Alan Smith. Hey, how
1: are you? Now you, you you, 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 I'm doing well, but I have to call you out on something because you said we're we're not going to joke around much, and then you introduced me as a young man. (laughs) I feel good about that. Let's go.
0: (laughs) Aren't we always still young? You know. Oh man, listen. Uh, but like I told you guys, man, we we got a great show here. Uh, if you guys can hang out with us, we're probably gonna be around an hour because basically, I want to give uh, Mr. Smith here a chance to be able to really educate us around human trafficking, sexual exploitation, even though we think we know, we're gonna find out what we know and what we do not know. Uh, but if you guys can just kind of be patient and listen, uh, and I think we can all be educated and learn something on today. I'm just going to start off by just saying, you know, Mr. Smith, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us about Saving Innocence, just kind of give us a little background on you.
1: Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's great to connect with you, Clinton. I love for what sure. you're doing. Um, and don't call me Mr. Smith anymore. Call me Alan. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been married to my lovely wife now 37 years. Oh. And, uh, yeah. Yes, sir. And, uh, We have two kids, uh, a son and a daughter. Is one of those lucky dads who got to experience being a dad from both sides, uh, a little boy and a little girl. They're they're vastly different, as you may may know, and um, loved every minute of all of that. And um, son is married to a a great girl that he met, and and they just actually just moved to Texas where she's from. So we're we're a little sad that she went back home and took our son, (laughs) 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 but uh, it's all good. They're doing great. And I I lead, as you mentioned, I lead an organization called Saving Innocence, and we are an 11-year-old anti-trafficking agency. And throughout those 11 years, our special niche has been the recovery and the restoration of child victims of sex trafficking. And when I say child victims, um, the average age of entry is around 12 or 13 years old. That's the average age. So you know what that means? Uh, the youngest kiddo that we've ever taken care of. We met her a couple years ago and she was only seven years old. Oh, uh, she, she just turned 11. We had a big birthday party for her. And then, you know, uh, we have to break it down. I'm sure we will, but we say, okay, so that's child, right? Eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. Yeah. Those are children. Um, And then you break down what sex trafficking is. So the federal definition with human trafficking and, involves three important words, force, fraud, and coercion. Okay. It's, usually, it's usually a mixture of two or all three of those at any given time. And it's also been referred to as the modern day slavery. Right. It's where a third party, another person is asserting ownership of another person through the means of force, fraud, or coercion mm. and compelling them, making them do that, which they don't want to do. And, the two big buckets that are normally thought of are labor trafficking and then sex trafficking. And so we, we focus now there's no good version of human trafficking, right? But our focus on the child victim of sex trafficking is, you know, maybe the worst of the worst, if you will. Um th- These kids are bought and sold like commodities on the internet or on the street and l- literally raped a dozen times every single day or more by st- strange adult men. And uh the trauma that's, being inflicted on our children is uh, just over the top appalling.
0: So I guess basically that's what kind of led you right into writing this book. Um, uh, Talk, talk, tell us a little bit about that. Like uh, men fight for me. Like where did that come from? I know where it came from, but tell everybody (laughs) else where did you get that and why did it stick to you in such a way?
1: Yeah, I will. Your sound kind of went out. Does it sound okay on your end just now? Yeah, you do. You're talking sounds a little garbled.
0: Oh, no. Let me see if I can uh, fix mine over here, make sure everything's connected. So, all right, guys, a little difficulty. You want to make sure everything sounds great here. How about something? Else? Am I any good?
1: It's good? It's not very good on my end. And if it's sounding OK in the master system, that's fine. But um, it doesn't sound good to me <laughs> just now.
0: Oh, no. Hopefully, it sounds good over here. OK. Uh, hold on.
1: Let me see here. You can edit. You, 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 you can edit all this out, right? <laughs>
0: yes, I can. I can edit all this out of here easily. Uh, it started good
1: when we first started talking, and then it really started garbling just a little bit ago.
0: Yeah, let me just double check here. Okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Is it sounding uh, still graphic?
1: It doesn't sound great uh, Great. on mine. Does it sound okay to you? Do you sound okay? Yeah, it me? sounds great on this side. Yeah, okay, all right, we'll just fight through it then. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. Okay, we, we sound pretty good still here.
1: Okay. All right, so like as we were saying
0: here. Now we're back to the cut here, guys. <laughs> oh, but that term, uh men fight for me. Uh, and we're saying I know what it means. Uh but I want to know exactly where you heard it from, why, and then what what's stuck to you to say let's write a book concerning or around that that's never that, uh saying.
1: Yeah, that that's a great question. And um, you know, when I went to Saving Innocence about six years ago, I learned something very quickly. Uh one that men are the biggest part of this problem. Most of the yeah. buyers are men, most of the, the sellers or the traffickers are men. Um And then when I would go to any kind of an event, a training event, an event at a church where they're on a Saturday where they're talking about this, there'd be almost no men in the room. And it was really bothering me. Men are the problem. Uh, Where are all the good men uh, being part of the solution? You know, I couldn't find any. Practically none. And, and I went to one of these events who, with my co-author, Jessica Midkiff is my co-author of this book. And she's a survivor of child trafficking, mm-hmm. worked at Saving Innocence, a colleague of mine. And she was on a stage on a panel with uh, about five other people and a woman sitting next to her. Her name was Rachel, who I didn't know at the time since then has become a, a friend and a partner. And she contributes to this book and okay. talking about quite a bit. But Rachel said something really powerful that day that grabbed a hold of me. She was telling her story and how she had been exploited and trafficked and uh, the trauma that was setting in. And she said at her lowest moment, she said, I gave up. I could no longer fight for myself. I needed someone to fight for me. And, and that was one of those moments where there's a lot of other people in the room, but you feel like that person said it directly to you. Have you ever had that maybe in church or anything.
0: <laughs> yes, I any yep.
1: situation. Yep. And all of a sudden the hair on the back of my neck stood up. It's like, okay, I'll fight for you and you and you and you. I'm going to see how many good men I can get to fight with me because men are the problem. Now, there's a lot of really great, strong, passionate women out there killing it and anti trafficking stuff. And that's great. We don't want 1% less of that. The problem is the missing ingredient is men because men are the problem. And and I I, I experienced something uh, that kind of was a great analogy for me this last year. I was in the dermatologist. He saw a little spot on my forehead that he didn't like. He said, let me test that.
0: Mm.
1: Took a little piece out of it, came back and said, yep, that's a certain kind of skin cancer. Come back in, we're going to dig it out. And it occurred to me that if you can define and isolate a particular problem, whether it's something in your body or something with your car or your house or something, if you know what the problem is, now you have an opportunity and the ability to create an effective remedy. So in the case of this exploitive culture that we live in in the case of child trafficking and adult trafficking, sexual yeah. exploitation, all those things. It's unmistakably, it's indisputable, <laughs> Men are the problem. Uh, problem, which is actually good news. We're 50% there. That means we know what the solution is. Right. If we get enough men looking in the mirror, turn their life around, stop certain things and begin other things. If we get enough men living the right way, we can actually see all this go away. So that was the impetus for this book using my male voice, speaking to men. It's not man shaming. It's not, you know, any of that kind of stuff. It's come with me on this journey. I'm going to introduce you to some heroes along the way. I'm going to point out some things you didn't see before, possibly. I'm going to challenge you to to be different. And there's a number of survivors in there that we're excited about. They said, we've never seen a book written for men by a man. Um, And so they're partnering, sharing their stories, bringing it to life. And uh, we create this little website called FightForMe.net where the book can be found, their yeah. biographies, links to their things, resources, and so we're sending everybody. And by the way, um, get this out of the way: the proceeds will benefit uh, survivors of sex trafficking. So I can unapologetically tell every man to go buy a case of these books, give them to every man you know, yeah, and, and know that you're going to benefit uh, the wonderful survivors that contributed to the book.
0: Yeah, that right there is uh is is uh and I went to the website and it, it, it was fascinating to uh to see and you're right, it was like a host of ladies on there who are just going hard, yeah. if you want to say, in the paint <laughs> yeah. uh to really to try to drive a nail into this uh you know this this crazy uh trafficking world. Um and I saw some of them were survivors of it, um, and so. And you're right. I think that we as men uh, and I think it's just sometimes we can't stomach it, even though we know we're the problem. Some, you know, but it's just stomaching that it actually goes that far. Uh, We all think that whatever I do is only, you know, it's harmless, you know, uh, cat whistling at women and all this kind of stuff. We just think it's very harmless. Uh, And it may be to a certain extent with some men, but some men do not. um, Are not on that same playing field, man, they're out here you know, to do actually more harm than any good. And so uh, uh, one of these great things you said, so what is authentic masculinity? Um, And like you said, now, we're not trying to beat all the men up. What we're trying to do is we're trying to educate, you know, and bring awareness around this. Uh, But I do think that we do need to start right there with that. So authentic masculinity is what?
1: Yeah. uh, When my son was five years old, uh, I read a great book called Raising a Modern Day Knight. I don't know if you've seen that before. If, if not, anyone who has a son should get it and read it. Okay. And um he, he, the author sort of challenged, there's no clear definition of what a man is in society. Right. right. You know, is it the first time a boy has sex, does that make him a man? That's what the popular right. culture would want you to believe. Is it, yep. you know, age you're an 18 or 21 or, you know, what is it? Nobody knows. And so um my buddies and I, were inspired by this book and we came up with our working definition. Here's what it means to be a man. This is what a real man is. <laughs> and we started drilling it into our boys, uh, and had little, little studies and looked at, watched movies together that were kind of would reinforce things. We celebrated these things when we saw them and we lovingly corrected them when we didn't. Yeah. And, uh, we gave them what I like to call the gift of clarity. Yeah. Um, so here's what it means to be a real man, according. And it's, it's all in the book. Men fight for me. Chapter four, it's called Man to Man. And I break down all four of these pillars and give them examples and kind of offer it as an offering to the men out there who are raising sons or they just want to think about it for themselves. Um, and the first pillar of one of four is called He Accepts Responsibility. A real man accepts the responsibility. He doesn't run from it. How many men do you see shirking their responsibility, running the other way, leaving their families to fend for themselves or whatever it might be? Right. So we need men, a bunch of men to not only accept the responsibilities that are actually right there specifically, Mm -hmm. but how about how about look for a bigger fight to give yourself to? Most men want that. How about a bigger battle? Something in your community, something Mm -hmm. in your neighborhood, something in the world. Take responsibility. There's hundreds of thousands of children out there lost in sex trafficking in our country. What if you just for a moment entertain the idea? What if that was my child? Well, it's not my child. Well, it's somebody's child. I'm going to take some responsibility for that. I'm going to engage in that. If we have men accepting responsibility, that's pillar number one. Uh, Number two is he leads courageously. An authentic man, authentic masculinity, a real man. Not only accepts responsibility, he leads courageously. And spoiler alert, all of these things start in your own home, man. They start in your own heart, your own soul, your own mind, your own family. If you're married, if you have kids, you're a courageous leader. And if you're going to enter this fight, this anti-trafficking fight at any level, and really pretty much anything at any level that's important, it's going to require courage. Uh, Because as you learn more and as you read this book, you're going to have your eyes open. And maybe on this podcast a little bit, um, you're going to have to be countercultural. And it might mean on a Friday night or any night with your buddies, you might have to correct them. You might have to not join them on certain things, right? You might not have to pass along the little meme on your phone that might be in some way demeaning or degrading women or sexuality. You might have to do those things. So he's going to have to lead courageously. And the commandant of the Marine Corps years ago wrote a book uh, called Warfighting. And he said, courage is not the absence of fear, whether rather it's the, the ability to Overcome and move through that fear. Um, So you could be a little nervous, a little timid, a little scared, even, and still be courageous at the same time. Um, You fight through that. Number three, the third pillar of authentic masculinity he lives a life of service. Uh, The the minute a man takes, he loses credibility. A man should be giving and serving. Again, starts in your home. How can you serve your wife? How can you serve your kids? How can you serve your neighborhoods across the street from you? How can you serve your community, the schools they go to? A a real man serves, he doesn't take. He's not served, he does the serving. Yeah. And then number four, the fourth uh, pillar of authentic masculinity is that he understands who he is, is more important than what he does. The idea that we focused on with our boys, it's the internal matters more than the external. So we're going to focus on things like character and integrity and honesty and following through on commitments and those kinds of interior thinkings. And you can choose whatever job you want. If right. you can go be a famous athlete if you're if you're lucky enough to do that you can go be an entertainer if you're good enough to do that you can work at the corner store like we, we don't care what you do it's more about who you are that's most important right and um so that's that's uh, my, I, that, that's according to me <laughs> and my buddies that's that's what authentic masculinity is it's someone who's practicing and living out all four of those tenets and and you could add one or two of, of your own you know if you felt like it the important thing is let's give our our community, our world, let's give our kids specifically the gift of clarity. What does it mean to be a real, a real man? Because, you know, young young, young boys are left to the wolves. If, if they're old enough to have a yeah. social media account, if they're old enough to be outside of your home. You know, when I'm talking about a two-year-old, right. we're talking about a 12, 14-year-old, maybe he's in junior high. The music lyrics that are coming in, the messages that are coming in from media, uh, they are not supporting responsibility and courageous leadership and service at all. And so uh, we have have a battle on our hands.
0: Yeah. Um, And that's, so you said two things that really stood out, um, which is um, the, that the life of service, I think is really missing. Um, I think that men today uh, and over maybe like the past, maybe like 25 years have went away from the service mentality over to now the take mentality. Um, and I think that that's probably one of the biggest things that's really been, you know, really destroying our cult, our uh, our society is the take. You know, every man is trying to get as what the culture says, get the bag. So we're all chasing the fame, the fortune. We want all this money. And like you said, we're literally leaving our families to the wolves. Uh, whether you're a father that's in the home who still appears to be absent, which I think that's the worst father than the father that actually gets up and leaves (laughs) and no one knows where he's at Uh, for your sons and your daughters and uh, to be able to watch you every day, but actually can never touch you or talk to you. Um, And that's really where we start here. And that's where you start with that um, abandonment, that alone uh, sense of mentality is that I feel alone. Uh, And when we put our kids, especially our daughters, so I have a 17 year old son, and I have a 12 year old daughter. So it literally breaks my heart that at 12 years old, um, our young ladies are being left unattended uh, in, in every aspect of their life uh, to be vulnerable for to be trafficked. Uh, because not everybody is like just taking you out of the house. Some are luring you. But if you're able to respond to that, they're responding out of loneliness, out of You know, no connection. And if they don't have any connection at home, then, as you know, having a daughter that they normally find some connection somewhere, Um, it may harm them in the end, but they're looking for this connection. So I think that that was a great one. And then for men to really understand who who we are more than what we do, like we take our doing and our our status and we take that uh, over our character and our integrity that's going to always lead us in the wrong path, uh, which kind of opens it up, us up to actually be a little bit more harsh when it comes to ladies, because we're leading with status. And so we feel like, Hey, you should want me because of my status and not going back to the third <laughs> pillar, which was the service. It, it, so these, these are like, you know, responsibility, courageous uh, leading is awesome. But that service piece to me, I think it's got, we got to do better on that. So I'm happy that you touched on that. Uh, and then here you're it's like, so men are the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, dig more into us being the solution. Um, I like how you started off with the home. Uh, I'm a, I'm a strong man. I me and I built my family around my son around the four C's that I kind of carry, which is Christ character commitment and then consistency. Uh, So those are the four things that I use to build the pillar in my home with my son, uh, as well as my daughter, but really for him to actually understand that those three, those four things have to be in place. So what else can we do to be a solution? Um, So we got to start in our home. So what do we do with this younger generation that are now trapped in my son's on his way to college? So uh, what is your your thoughts, your opinion, and then some some great ideas around that age at college? So 18 to 25, what? How do we do to get those guys to get their mind gears for safety versus the hunt? <laughs> exactly.
1: Well, you're off to a good start with uh, with your those four pillars, as you said. That's yeah. phenomenal. Um, let me just back up just one half a second here, because in order okay. to really talk about the solution, we have to further break down the problem and expand the definition of what the problem is. OK, I think what can happen is and that'll inform what the solution is. What, what can happen is that a bunch of guys could listen to what we've said so far or just whatever they know already about trafficking stuff. And they might think, I, I'm not out buying sex off the street. Uh, I'm not part of that problem. I'm not I'm not setting up appointments to go spend 15 or 20 minutes or 30 minutes in a motel room with some right. lady or something. like. So this isn't for me, right? And my kids come from a good home. So this, this conversation is not for me. And they might tune out. And so what I would like to do is expand the definition of what the problem is. We can say men are the problem. Okay, but what, which problem are you talking about? <laughs> you know, well, right. you, you can could, you could pretty much, pretty much any problem you can point to. Uh, I bet there's a bunch of knucklehead men behind it causing it, right? No matter what it is.
0: <laughs> right.
1: But but in this case, really what we're talking about is the exploitive culture, the society that exploits women and children and, and men and boys too, but the majority of women and children. We're not really talking about human trafficking. Exactly. Although there's a lot of trafficking in the book and a lot of trafficking is we're talking about, but really that's the biggest weed in a garden full of exploitive soil. And there's right. a lot of other things that come out of that, that we have a society that demeans and degrades women and demeans and degrades sexuality and objectifies all of the above. And so to the man that says, I have never bought sex so I've never been a you know a customer in the trafficking world. I say, great, that's a good start. I'm glad you have it. Now, what about this? Have you contributed in some way to a demeaning and degrading culture? Um, I don't know. Okay, well, we could talk about whatever jokes you laugh at around with your buddies. We could talk about that stuff. But you know, we can't really talk to men, Quentin, about exploitive culture and not bring up pornography.
0: Right. Uh, right.
1: Pornography is is the, a major on-ramp to exploitation, objectification, and even trafficking. Now, we know what the stats are. We, we know that, that a lot of your men are dabbling, if not already addicted to pornography, that are watching us right now. And I know that. Right. That's, that's just what the male culture seems to be involved in a lot. And we go into it to some degree in the book. And I, I have an urgent message for men the urgent message is that most of the women you see in pornography do not want to be there. They're being coerced in some way. Now there is a small percentage that would say they're completely consensual and this is how I want to make my money. And I'm fine with it. I have have a friend who spent five or six years interviewing everybody in the pornography industry. And he came, said something very chilling to me. He said, not many, not some, but most of the women are there against their will. Something happened Something has happened. Something coercive is happening. They flipped it around. It was too late. She couldn't get out. And then I know this from trafficking survivors. We quote one in the book saying, when I was actually being trafficked, remember, modern day slavery, forced, there's no choice for a trafficking victim to do anything. They're, They're told where and when to go, or they might get killed, literally. Right. She was trafficked into a hotel room, TV set, movie set, whatever, raped over and over and over. Somebody filmed it, and now that's on a pornography website. And she says in the book, every time someone watches that film, they're watching me being raped. So here's the problem among many, that when you tune into some porn video, there's no little label. There's no indicator that lets you know who's there completely consensually and who's there against their will. In fact, maybe actually being trafficked into that situation. Right. They shouldn't call it porn sites. They should call it a crime scene. There should be yellow police tape around your computer.
0: (laughs) Right. It should be.
1: Now, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm pretty sure non consensual sex is called rape. Right. So, my urgent message to men is guys, guys, we have to be better than this. Are we seriously going to get to the place in our own brokenness and our own dysfunction and our own addictions? and our own disappointments that we're going to sit and view someone being raped and find some kind of pleasure out of it. That's what pornography is. That's pornography. So when we talk about this whole conversation, it's the whole package of exploitation, objectification, demeaning, degrading, abusive behavior. So now we've, we've, we've expanded the definition quite a bit. So as men, as part of the solution, (laughs) Um, well, number one, you got to stop doing some of those things. You got to stop looking at porn. You got to stop, you know, participating in that way. And then as part of, that's the active um, solution, the passive solution. Even if you haven't done any of those things, this is happening. It's the fastest growing criminal enterprise in the world.
0: It is, and growing.
1: And so at the very least, we as men have not taken responsibility to end this. We have passively let it flourish right under our noses. We've looked the other way. Maybe we saw saw something, maybe we didn't. It's happening. And that's where we need hordes of men generations of men to step up stand up and say no more this is not going to happen this isn't happening i'm not going to let this happen on my watch and again spoiler alert it starts in your home it starts in your home raise raise your 12 year old boy quentin i know you already are raise him in a way that honors and respects women right is is a courageous leader taking all his responsibilities in front of him focusing on the interior all the things you're already doing with him um you're a family of faith and you're going to find a lot of strength there That's one less man out there to be contributing to the problem. Now, let's see how many other dads we can get that doing with their sons. The other part of the solution is most of the victims are young girls. Guys, your daughters are desperately looking for an example of what it is they can expect, how they can expect to be treated, how they can expect to be spoken to, how they just what's out there for me, because the media messaging, the song lyrics are treating her like a disposable piece of garbage. That's what they're right. treating you like. And they're actually saying it in more vulgar ways than that. Many of the popular rap artists and, and, and the like. Right. Your, your son and your daughter need to see an engaged, present dad interpreting life for them, sitting by them, not just turning on the TV or letting them go on the Internet so you could do something else. Sit there with them. Watch it with them. Hit pause. In my day, you missed a TV show. It was gone forever. Now you just hit pause.
0: Right. You can.
1: (laughs) And when a commercial comes on that's selling sex, the commercial would say they're selling hamburgers. But we know they're selling sex. And And at age appropriate vocabulary, language, talk to your son and your daughter about what 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 do you see happening out there? What do you think is happening? And help educate them, see the world for how it really is and be prepared. Um, In that chapter we do where we talk about athletic masculinity, I quote a friend of mine who's a secret service agent for like 30 years now. And, you know, when the Secret Service isn't um, protecting important people, kind of the the most part of their job is disrupting uh, counterfeit currency rings. You know, people that are making counterfeit bills. He said something really fascinating to me. He said, when we are being trained to do that part of our job, we Mm -hmm. spend 90% of our time focusing on the authentic bill so that we can see the counterfeit bill 100 miles away is what he says. you become intimately aware with the authentic, how it really is supposed to be, then you, you can spot that counterfeit. And so men, I can tell you this, you have counterfeit masculinity, counterfeit love, counterfeit approval, being inundated to all of us, but as our kids are most vulnerable. So let them see the real version up close. You be the authentic, real version, the authentic male, the authentic masculine male, and let them see you live that way. Let them see you honor, love, and respect your wife in their presence. Let right. them feel your affirmation and your encouragement and your healthy discipline in their presence so that they can spot the counterfeit 100 miles away. Um, so that was a little bit of a larger conversation that I wanted to make sure we spoke on. Uh, in, in the book, There's in the appendix, there's all kinds of things you can do today, 12 things you can do right now today that would be helpful. Um, in, in chapter eight, is called Looking in the Mirror, there, there's um, there's about a dozen kind of macro big societal things that we need to do as a people to to begin to make headway on this. There's a handful of things that are the micro, you know, kind of on an individual basis. And then there's the ultimate solution. And spoiler alert, guys, it involves you looking in the mirror <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, get a little educated and, and then get moving. And we offer this book and our website as a, humbly as a tool to to begin that process for you.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that the home, I think you, like you're saying is that, um, that is one of our biggest things. And, um, and what I do being, a uh, you know, a podcast that's centered around men development and, and values and all that stuff. Uh, I just find that when you have a society that has 80% of the homes that are, have no men in them, yeah. you know, kids are being raised. And then when you look at the African American family, and then that number is like eighty-seven percent. That's unreal. Uh, that these numbers are that high. Um, but eighty percent worldwide is just unbelievable. And that's that's everybody. Um, so that means that we are really failing as men as a whole. This is not a color thing or any. This is not a race thing. This is men in general are failing at protecting our young ladies. Um, I'm and you know having a twelve-year-old daughter. Uh, is how old is your daughter?
1: Uh, well, she's 33.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what I mean. I'm and I'm, I know you have older uh, children, but I'm just saying okay. that to get to 33 from 12, that's yeah. that, that's a long time. You know, I got a lot of work to do.
1: <laughs> and when my daughter was 12, uh, the internet was kind of just starting really, and there yeah. wasn't any Facebook and Instagram. And uh, you have a really big job. The, the FBI says there's some 900,000 predators online at any given moment, 900,000. That's, that's what they kind of know about. That and they're masquer- they're masquerading as a counterfeit. They're masquerading right. as someone who wants to be their friend. And they've got a different picture on their profile and they're luring them in with conversation yeah. and without uh, a mom and a dad, but in this case of our audience is men without a dad in there to be aware of that, to interpret that, to safeguard against that, uh, they're literally under assault and under attack right under our noses if we don't wake up.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I like how you said that, right? My daughter is always dad. Let me have dad. Come on. Let me have TikTok. Let me have this, this, and she can't. Um, and you know, she, my friends have, it. I was like, well, that's okay. You know, I can't, I can't do, I can't, uh, you know, give you an answer for what your friends are allowed to do. Um, but this is what i want to say to men is that um don't allow social media and video games and all that stuff to be a way for you to get free time away from your kids because like you said there's 900 predators out there that are that love it that you don't want to spend any time personally with your kids or you don't even want to know what they're doing you just want them out of your way uh, and i think we fall victim to that because of 2020 2022 we're selfish people so we want my stuff. I want to do my thing. I want to run my business. I want so the kids are literally left to raise themselves. And it's like, hey, as long as they got FaceTime, they're good. And that's a killer. I know for a fact I watch my daughter's stuff, uh, and I seen some stuff come across that I didn't like and I just canceled it. Uh, if I can't, if I reply to you and say something and you can't say something back to me, or if you do, and I think it seems like it's weird, then I'm automatically icing it and i have my all my daughter stuff is connected to my phone um and that's why i ended up canceling pretty much everything she's like i just don't have anything i was like you can't and remember like tiktok came out for kids it was a fun dancing thing for kids and now when you go on there it's all adults on there and i'm like we keep we keep bombarding kids stuff and then it becomes really dangerous uh, for our kids. So I I really applaud that, you know, we're able to really talk to people and especially men uh, get way more involved in the social media of what your kids have going on. Even my son, my son didn't even get his first social media thing until he was 16. um, And that's still monitored. Um, I told him, I said, it'll be monitored until you leave this house and get out on your own. Um, But my monitoring, even with him is really talking to him about, even you as 17 can be duped by someone. Yeah. So you still have to keep your eyes and ears open. Uh, you want to limit all of that public stuff. No public. Friend to friend is the best way to go at your age. Because uh, once you open it up to the public, then everybody, uh, you know, has access to you. and You don't want that. So, so now we know what the problem, man, you know, I mean. I hate that this had to go this way, but we, right. We, I mean, we're, this is what we do and it. You know, it, it seemed like it's something cute. And and like you said about the jokes and the, and all that stuff, it just seems like it's something cute and all, you know, you're drinking and you're just making sly remarks about it. But as that ball keeps continuing to go down the snow Hill, it becomes dangerous. And so what we want to do is if we can start, like you said, kind of be unpopular uh, people are not going to like you when you say that that joke sucks. Uh, that's how I am because I have a twelve-year-old daughter. So when I hear talk, I think that sounds stupid because you you have a potential. You could be potentially talking about my daughter when she's nineteen or twenty. Yeah. So I don't want to hear anything about any girls about nothing because I just think it's dumb. And when I and I think if you if any man has a daughter, that red light that green light should come on in his mind. Like okay, maybe I did before, but now I'm definitely not going to participate. Yeah and wrongdoings around women, because I have a young lady and I know what that impact should be. So when we look at that uh, and you kind of define what sex trafficking is, but uh, just kind of spell it out one more time. Um, and then that scope of the problem, because I really want to drive home the fact that sexual sex trafficking is, 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 is really bad. And Is happening right here in the United States. Uh, I think you said this in the beginning. This used to be a third world or uh, uh, across the ocean type of situation, but now it's right here in our own backyard. I mean, Michigan, I think last year, kind of stepped it up in the numbers. We were getting pretty close to being a very high-traffic area uh, state. And so so just kind of talk to that, kind of drill it down for what is sex trafficking and then uh, behind that, that scope of the problem.
1: Yeah. um, The big aha that most people aren't aware of is that it is right here in our country. It's in all 50 states. I don't know if it's in exactly every single zip code per se, but it's probably close. Yeah. Um, yeah, Suburban, uh, urban, rural. Um, And it's the problem we're talking about is it's it's perpetrated upon the vulnerable. And it's it's on our own U.S. born American citizens. Now, there is a, a you know disaster happening on our southern border right now with a lot of people coming in, and there are people being smuggled and trafficked in, for sure. Yeah. Um, in fact, at Saving Innocence, we just uh, engaged with a 20-year-old Korean woman who was trafficked in through Mexico. But by far, the biggest part of the pie chart of trafficking victims are U.S.-born American citizens. And um, some uh, estimates say there's at least 300,000 minors, children, in this country being trafficked. Uh, we did some work with the state of Texas a couple of years ago, and they determined through their numbers system that they had 90,000 minors, children being trafficked in Texas. Oh that's a big God. state, but that's only one of 50. Oh, um, right. So you, you can you can just extrapolate the numbers are off the chart. It's not like a bank robbery. You know exactly how many bank robberies there were last year. There's a there's an address. There's a building. There's video footage. They know exactly how many bank robberies this this crime is in the shadows, It's in the darkness. Um, We certainly can count those that we recover, but we know there's a lot more out there that that we don't know about. So the the common victim of human trafficking is someone who's experienced that early adolescent um, neglect or abuse in some way, shape or form, oftentimes the sexual abuse in the home by people that should be protecting them. And this is where I don't want the guys to tune out, because if that's not your child, your child is still vulnerable through all the ways we've been talking about. But the biggest part of the pie chart are, are those kids who have had that early childhood abuse. Oftentimes they then get put in a foster care system. About 80% of our kids at Saving Innocence are already in the foster care system when we meet them. So they've already experienced all of that abuse. Their family and their life has already been blown up. The government came in and put them in a place to keep them safe. The problem is that that child has never seen a good example of a man in their life. Uh, you could it'd be safe to say that the men closest to her or maybe all of the men that she's aware of are the ones that did a lot of the, the harm to her. Or at the very least they failed to protect her. Yeah, they didn't have dads like you engaging with your trover or telling her, no, she can't do this and that on social media. Um, they didn't have a healthy dad male figure in their life. So now when the imposter, the counterfeit that we talked about, spots that vulnerability. he can see it. It's almost like she's got a big flashing light, vulnerable. The way she carries herself at a bus stop, at the mall, walking home from school. And now there's usually this slightly older male will enter into her life and start saying all the things that she's always wanted to hear but has never heard. How beautiful she is. How smart she is. Uh, The dreams and plans that she might have. What do you want to talk about? They start dating. And in the beginning, it's, it's not even... To the naked eye, it's not really off. He has bad intentions the entire time. But there's a grooming process that he goes through to kind of lure her in, expand her boundaries, isolate her from what few people, friends or family there could be in her life. Mm. And next thing you know, he he says he loves her. She's never heard that. Right. Well, this feels good to be, don't we all? Everyone here listening wants to be noticed and cared for and loved and uh, appreciated and all those things. She's getting those for the first time ever. So she loves him back. And then at some point soon after that, uh, the light bulb will go on because they need to make money. And he knows a way that they can make money pretty quickly. And it won't be it won't be forever. It's going to be for a short period of time. He'll say things like that. And then he puts her for sale, either on a various app that uh, you know social media apps and others or physically out on the street. She may or may not. She's ex- she's experienced so much abuse already and so much brainwashing and manipulation she may not even object to it at first. And she she won't necessarily identify as someone who's being trafficked or being abused in some way. This is my boyfriend. He loves me. He's the only one who's ever loved me. I'm going to do whatever I can to, to make keep him his happy. Love. Yeah. Keep his love, make him happy and have the life that I've always wanted. Now if she does object either immediately or soon after. Uh, she'll learn very quickly that she doesn't have a choice. That force, fraud or coercion, she does not have a choice. She will get beat up she will could literally get murdered what we've we've had a number of our kids in this last year literally lose their life uh as a result of this situation thrown on the side of the freeway or left at a bus stop just murdered and discarded like a piece of trash it's heartbreaking and so now she's stuck in this place where she doesn't know really how she got there she has no way of getting out and there's probably no one looking for her and um so human trafficking is that that predator, and you know what a predator does. If you watch the National Geographic or some little see some little reel on Instagram or something, I see these a lot. Uh, be some jungle setting or you know out in the prairie, and and uh, there's the lion sitting. Or what does a lion do? He's a smart predator. He's like downwind, and he waits for the herd of antelope to go by or whatever it is. And yeah. at the end, there's a small weak one. He pounces on that one. He's not right. brave enough, courageous enough to pounce on the big, strong one. He pounces on the weak and the vulnerable. And so this is where our kids, uh, if we leave them exposed, weak, and vulnerable, there are plenty of predators waiting to pounce and groom and become under the control of someone else. And, and, and a, a pretty typical scenario is you know, a 12 or 13-year-old that maybe doesn't have a fully engaged family, intact family, or even if they do. If they're left unsupervised on social media and the internet, whatnot, and now this predator, imposter, masquerading as somebody else, starts saying really nice things to her. And he can coerce her at some point, maybe to send him a, a topless photo or something. Yeah. And now, now he has something. And now, now this predator will say, you have to do exactly what I say or I'm going to post this. For everybody, think about think about you right. know your own daughter. She would be horrified by that if somehow she got herself into that place, and now she's got a great dad and a mom, and and I can't embarrass them, so I'm going to have to do what this person right. tells me to do because I can't get out of it. Um, so that's in essence, that's trafficking. It's someone um, uh, compelling someone to do that that they don't want to do. the The stakes are high. They, they use lethal force. Oftentimes, and at the very least, a lot of coercion and manipulation and brainwashing. I I should mention there's one other scenario that those dads that are listening right now that say we don't fit the profile of foster kid. We have two parents. I'm a dad. I'm strong. I love her. Great. So the woman, Rachel, that we mentioned earlier, um, she tells her story in Chapter three of the book. She came from a phenomenal family. In her words, I had the childhood every child should have two parents, dad who loved her. 4.0 4.0 in school, star of the volleyball team, homecoming queen, had everything going for her, goes away to college. Right now, she sounds like my daughter. She She's had everything. She's had no challenges in her life. She goes away to college. Oh. Junior year of college. Now she's 19 or 20. She gets approached by a well-spoken man in a three-piece suit with a business card. He's a modeling agent rep. He's got a fraud, force fraud. He's a fraudulent modeling She signs up to be uh, one of his models. And through the normal course of getting a job, you fill out your W-4 and you got your home address, which is her parents' home address, Uh, the address that she's living at, which she lives with a roommate. And now as soon as she does all that, the trafficker says, "Okay, here's your first job. You have to go and have sex with that guy in the car right there. It's like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to do that. He pulls out the parents' address and says, let's not anybody get hurt now. And he starts threatening to kill her parents and her roommate, like literally kill. And these aren't empty promises, as I mentioned earlier. So now here's a, a, a mature, educated, smart twenty year old, not a twelve year old foster kid. This is the this is the daughter that any of your dads right now who are listening, it could be their daughter, goes away to college, and now some predator works his way into her conversation and threatens to kill you, dad, if your daughter doesn't do exactly. Could you imagine the horror that your daughter is now going to be living in?
0: Yeah, this and is that's what this, this I mean. is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, This is terrible.
1: It's absolutely terrible.
0: I mean, and just terrible, she, bro.
1: She, you know, through that process, and she shares it in the book, you know, had suicide, a suicide attempt. Actually, there's just no way out. And she, she came from a Christian family. She's a believer. And the predator started using those things against her, saying, you're a prostitute. You can't go to church. And God doesn't want anything to do with you anymore. So now he's manipulating her into feeling like, she can't lean on right. her face. And then he purposely sells her to uniformed police officers. See, you can't, you can't go to the police because they're right. all like the buyers. Like they're just isolated. You can't talk to your roommate or your parents because I'll kill them if you do. And now she's completely alone and isolated. And she says, I, I can no longer fight for myself. I need someone to fight for me. And that fires me up. I don't know about you and your listeners, but that fires me up.
0: It fires me up right now.
1: <laughs> what if it was your daughter, Quinn? Like you'd be fired up. There'd be nothing. Fired up there'd be world war three be be. <laughs> that you would stop to protect and pull your daughter out of that situation. Yeah. Now I'm in uh, hundreds of thousands of daughters that don't have a strong dad like you. And they need men to, with any men and society in general to step in that gap and fight for them and get engaged and get involved. Like I'm getting fired up right now. Quinn.
0: No, I am extremely fired up. I, and I shouldn't have did this. I went to the website <laughs> and then I pulled up miss Rachel Yeah, Uh, this is this is a beautiful young lady. Um, This is unreal that, like you say, a graduate of UCLA. I mean, this is crazy um, that even under protection of a great father, that these predators are still able to be manipulative. Uh, And this is like and I like what you're saying. man. we literally got to stay on top of this. Uh, And even if we're laterally. Um, you know, I don't have any daughters or whatever, and I'm just, you know, I got all sons. Uh, but I think that all men need to link up and be very, extremely watchful. Um, when you're out there, because you know, um, you never know who is trying to get your attention, and you're just out there, you know what I'm saying? Um, and my wife. <laughs> My wife is always telling me, (laughs) I'll see something and she'll be like, you just can't go running up on people. (laughs) I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want this. And I was like, when I see something that's weird, all I can think about is my daughter. and and, and, And what I think about is this, if Alan Smith is walking down the street, eating ice cream with his wife, and my daughter is in a situation and he sees it, I would want him to risk everything to help my daughter. Yeah. Um, so that's how I look at it for myself is that I don't really think about the harm for myself. I think that if it was my daughter in that position, I would want any man who sees this to step in and, and take the bull by the horn, basically, uh, and and hold that bull until I'm contacted. because i i could finish off the rest of it but you need we need each other to help to keep things in check so no go ahead
1: i'm sorry i mean now now imagine hundreds of thousands of daughters that don't have a quentin to call they don't have they don't have a dad to call yeah. This is where we need men to accept responsibility for something bigger than themselves. Yes. I don't necessarily recommend physically engaging a, a current trafficking situation. That would actually could turn bad for the girl. The, the trafficker might think that his victim called me to go interact and then she might yeah. get killed. So there's, you gotta be a little smart about it, but right. um, we need men to step up and say, this is preposterous. I don't know how we got here, but we're not going to stay here if I have anything to say about it. And, yeah. uh, Get, get the book. I keep saying it. It's not a shameless plug. It's phenomenally uh, – there's six different survivors that are sharing their stories. Rachel, who you saw on the website, there's some others. Um, I will say this. Uh, Rachel actually in this last year produced something that's linked on the website, on fight me.net and a resource resources, called the Cool Aunt Series. And, Quentin, I would say this for you. Get this as soon as possible and, and yeah. watch it with your 12-year-old. Every teenager, and particularly our young girls – should go through. It's about an hour long, like eight or nine little chapters, six, you know, little six minute videos. And Rachel's breaking down. Here are the risk factors. Here's what to look for. Here's what exploitation looks like. And one of those chapters, she tells her personal story. Like I told you about the the modeling agency. Yeah. And it's really well done. And then there's resources for parents or teachers. So um, I don't get anything about that. It's the saving didn't make it. I don't, I don't get a piece of it, but yeah. I, 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 I say the cool aunt series anytime I can, all your listeners should get on their cool, the cool if you go to fightforme.net, for me.net, it's linked right there and buy this little series. I don't, know, it's like a hundred bucks or 90 bucks. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but um, is well worth the time and investment.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and everybody, I'll definitely put all those, they'll all be down at the bottom in the link, um, Great. for you guys to, uh, definitely go and and get this book. Uh, we definitely want to support Alan Smith in this fight. Um, uh, and then once you read the book, let your heart tell you what you need to do. They got, um, the website is just full of all this great information on how you can be a participant, uh, whether you're donating, uh, whether you can educate yourself on all these great classes that they have. And then what's awesome is that all the young ladies on there uh, under the contributors uh, tab are have phenomenal uh, organizations going on that you can actually get, organ, uh, get educated uh, many, many different ways, even through what they have going on. Uh, like you even said about that cool aunt uh, series that you can get into. I'm definitely, I think I'd already seen it. I was definitely going to check it out uh, because I told you before, um, this is an organization that me and my wife have talked about, not your uh, particular organization, but just human trafficking as a whole. Uh, we have a big bleeding heart. My wife is like a woman's woman and our hearts have already bled. We run a, a foster care program at our church. Oh, good. Yeah. So we're, I didn't, I, I wasn't reaching out for you to come on here, man, because I'm just, you know, trying to have somebody on my podcast. No, I'm part of a foster care program. I understand the depth of the delusions and all the damage that's done through this process of being, uh, abandoned and, and neglected. Uh, they're dealing with these kids over the last, I think we've been in it for a year now, um, running this, uh, uh, portion at our church for, uh, aged out, uh, foster care, yeah. uh, kids. And, uh, and even through your, uh, saving innocence, uh, you guys have some foster care information on there as well. So I'm just telling you guys that we've got to do better. Um, I promised Mr. Allen that we would only be here for an hour, but I definitely want to give a bunch of plugs to yeah. all the great things that his, uh, his whole entire team have put together. Uh, and so we really want to be conscious about, um, about our surroundings, about what we can do. Um, and, and, and like, uh, Alan said is that the educating ourselves around human trafficking and then how we need to handle ourselves. Uh, uh, I'm a, I'm 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 a, I'm a lion of a father. Uh, so uh, my wife literally had to educate me that, babe, you can't just go out here (laughs) (laughs) jumping the gun because you can mess up all kinds of things. Uh, whether, uh, that, uh, that area is being already tracked by the FBI and you can get in there and blow that up. I mean, all kinds of things she's educated me on. Uh, so when I say that I'm, I, but I'm still a lion of a father. Uh, I don't play any games when it comes to my daughter, uh, as well as my son. Uh, but I just want us as men to be better, do better. Um, I'm gonna definitely see if I can get Mr. Allen to come on and, um, and maybe take us through an actual, maybe training class on here uh just to kind of educate nothing real deep but just some some levels on here so we can start getting some education around what we can do since you know we're telling you to to be a part of this you know to get involved but i think at the same time you know if i brought him on here then i need to make a way where we can uh, educate people at the same time so hopefully his time opens up over the next few months and then we can have him come back and uh and, and maybe start some educating us around um, how to handle ourselves uh, in this, you know, difficult situation of human trafficking. Uh, we got a few more minutes, man. Go ahead. Give us, you know, how they can, they can get in contact with you and then any final words that you may have.
1: Yeah, thank you. This has been great, Quentin. I I, I feel like I got a new friend now. I, we're in the same, yes, sir. same heart, <laughs> same mind, same space here. I love this. Yes, sir. Um, uh, yeah, I would say go to savinginnocence.org, poke around, look at everything there, all the pages, all the tabs. There's a handful of videos there that will be educating their survivors, telling their accounts and what's happening. Also on the top, there's a there's a, I think it says training. We, we created an e-course uh, on all of this, 46 training videos, kind of everybody, survivors are in it, law enforcement's in it. Because we started getting asked so many times to go somewhere and tra- uh, train and consult, and, and we, which we did. And we want to do that. But we we did a big brain dump. <laughs> and so, um, so that's a great place. It's a deep dive in all things human trafficking. So I would I would send you there on savings.org. Uh, I'd also send you to fightforme.net. We've been talking about it. One of the resources that's there, there's a national human trafficking hotline. Um, And then they disperse all over the country, the tips that come in. And so if you put it in your phone, if you see something that looks off, call them and tell them what you saw. That's around the clock. I've been, I've been there. There's a whole bank of operators, 24, seven fielding all these calls. And I would say this, it's happening right now within five minutes or wherever you're sitting, man, uh, fella, as you're listening to this, you're driving the car, it's happening right now near you. There's a 911 emergency. And, and I, I'll just say this, because you sort of brought it up earlier, Quentin, uh, talked about the African-American culture and, and the large percentage of missing fathers. Yeah. Um, it, it might be interesting to note, interesting and heartbreaking all at the same time, that the majority of the young victims are young girls of color. Um, yeah. At Saving Innocence, some 80% of our child victims are from black and brown communities and African-American being the largest percentage of that. Wow. Which kind of makes sense if the dad at a higher percentage than other cultures is gone. That means their kids are more of those kids are vulnerable and left exposed. Yeah. So it's, it's not my place to challenge the African-American culture, but I would say dads, if that's your community, uh, your children need you um, more than ever before. Yeah. uh,
0: It's not your job. It may not be your job, but as an African-American male, I can challenge everyone of the black and brown community that we've got to do better uh mr allen just told us that we've got a dilemma here man we got we got a problem that we need to get and we need to get and do better in this situation here we're leaving a lot of our young ladies uh just out there uh grabbing at straws if you want to just say man for love and and it's putting them in some very bad situations uh ending up in some hopeless situations and so uh, like I said, join with me uh, I, and, and trying to edu- uh, w- educate myself and I want you guys to get educated as well on how do we bind together and to be able to just help out. We want to be able to just do our part. Uh, I, I do like to say donate, but some people kind of use giving money as a, a way out of actually putting their feet, feet to the ground. Uh, what I want you to do is to donate some cash because we every listen. Every organization that's out here doing something good needs cash, right? Yep. But what I also want you to do is the educational piece. You know, uh, uh, really strengthen up that brain and that mind around what we need to do in our awareness. And then second, find an organization that you can put your feet in your hands to. Yep. Um, best to get your the kids involved. If you have daughters that are older, you know, more mature who can handle what's going on. Uh, get them involved so they can see what's going on and that'll make them more aware on how they need to carry themselves. So, uh, listen, our time is coming up. Uh, listen, Alan, man, this was great. Conversation. Uh, it did get me fired up. (laughs) Good. Uh, (laughs) it got me fired up uh, because, you know, uh, I think that we have to protect our young ladies. Uh, hopefully we can get together again, uh, to really talk. Uh, I definitely want to be able to, to dive into your organization, uh, as we talked before we got on here. Uh, so if you got anything else left.
1: Well, I'll come back anytime and maybe next time I'll bring Jessica, my co-author, who is a yes. writer and she can speak from the first person, uh, what yes. it's like. And, and, and no surprise, her dad was gone and, um, she speaks about it in the book a little bit, what that caused her to feel emotionally and felt unprotected and unloved and all the things cause dad wasn't there. Those are yes. her words. And that yes. sent her down a particular path. So I'll come back anytime. You, and yes.
0: yes, I would invite you. And if you can have Jessica as well, man, that would just be awesome uh, to be able to hear her tell us as dads yep. to be involved, to get to be better. And I, I would love to hear her talk to us and tell us how we need to be better fathers, uh, fathers, brothers, uh, whoever you are to be covering over some young ladies. So that'd be awesome. So listen, everybody, thank you for joining us. Uh, Like I said, I'm going to try to have Mr. Allen back. Uh, This is the Manology Project podcast, and we are out. Thank you.